Well, good morning again. Let me say happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room and watching online. Um, you know, I've, I was just thinking about it, man. I've been a dad for 18 years, believe it or not. Uh, I barely believe it myself. Uh, you know, and I'm, uh, you know, this is just an interesting week for me as a dad. My firstborn son, uh, Isaiah, turned 18 last month, just graduated a week or so ago. Uh, and this week, we, my wife Annette and I, we are kicking him out of the house. We are moving him to Springfield, Missouri, which is where we moved from. And just this is just such a strange turn of events because, uh, you know, I grew up in this little town outside of Dayton, Ohio called Bellbrook, Ohio. First 18 years of my life, 19 years, was in the same house, the same little town, same school system. Uh, my wife, Annette, grew up in Coldwater, Kansas. First 18 years of her life, same house, same town, same school system. And then when we each individually went off on our own, we moved to this city called Springfield, Missouri to go to college. And so that's where we met, fell in love. I just want to say that for my kids because they get grossed out by that kind of stuff. But we met, fell in love, got married, um, moved away from Springfield. And then 16 years later, God brought us back there. We now have a lot of family there in that area. Uh, but then God brought us here. And now, you know, 26 years after, you know, I graduated and, and went off to Springfield, Missouri, here's my son, my oldest firstborn son, going off on his own to, lo and behold, Springfield, Missouri, the same place my wife and I uh, learned how to live on our own. And so that's coming up this, this week. Um, you know, so Father, I've been doing this for 18 years, and uh, I mean, I'm proud to be a dad. I love being in the dad club, you know what I'm saying? But uh, I will confess this, maybe you already know this about me, is that I do everything in my, my power to not rock the dad bod, okay? I'm just against the dad bod, dad jeans, all that stuff. I might say a, a fair dad joke once in a while, but my dad joke game is not super strong. Uh, but man, I, I, I'm proud to be a dad. We all know that dads, that fathers, earthly fathers have an enormous impact on our lives, whether by their presence, sometimes by their, their absence. And I call this the father factor, which means that, you know, for, for many of us, we live to please our father and we, we, we fight to receive love and affirmation and approval or we spend, this is, and this isn't even just for, for kids, this is many times for grown men and women, for adults that throughout our lives we're trying to please dad or, or prove dad wrong. And, and this is what I call the father factor. And it's no surprise because God tells us in Proverbs 17, verse six, he says it this way, grandchildren are the crown of the aged. And, and every grandfather and grandmother said, amen, right? Grandchildren are the crown of the aged and the glory of children is their fathers. In other words, hardwired into every single one of us is this desire to glorify our, our dads. We find value or worth from our fathers. And it's because our earthly fathers ultimately picture the heavenly father. You know, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said, pray this way, our father who art in heaven. And so earthly dads carry this incredible privilege and responsibility and weight to picture the heavenly father and we all blow it and we all mess up in that, but that's the responsibility. And I remember a number of years ago, 
my wife for Father's Day, when our kids were pretty little, she made this photo collage of, of just pictures of me and, and my boys, okay? So we spent the first 10 years um, with kids with just boys. It was just the three boys. So this, this has no pictures of my daughter Blakeney, who's eight. Uh, so this was over eight years old. I, don't, I can't remember the time frame. But just pictures of me with my boys. And there was a verse there, uh, Proverbs 17, 6, that says, Grandchildren the crown of the aged. The glory of children is their fathers, just as a reminder of the weight of responsibility that I have to portray my heavenly father with those, with those kids. And, you know, we, uh, there's one picture in particular kind of in there that I wanted to, to pull up here. Uh, this is actually in Nashville. We were visiting some, meeting up with some friends there. Uh, this is probably, I don't know, 10 years or so ago, maybe 12. Um, I thought about, you know, wouldn't it be fun if we did a, like an adult, like recreate this picture, you know what I'm saying? But I don't think we would our weight would fit on that thing. And my boy Ridge now has outgrown me, so I don't think that would be the funnest picture, but maybe someday we'll go to Nashville and recreate that thing. Here's a picture of us more recently um, for Easter. My little boys aren't little so more. Um, and so I've uh, been doing this thing for a while. And man, uh, fatherhood is a really cool um, really cool role and responsibility. And we've been talking about the last few weeks, the power of words in this series called Words of Life. Today, we're going to wrap up this series. But the truth is that there may be no words that, are, that carry as much weight in our lives uh, as, as a father's words, or as I said last week, the absence of words, words left unspoken. But here's one thing I know, as, as different as dads are, uh, as different as all fathers are, I think all good dads have one thing in common. They all, like their heavenly father, are always teaching and instructing and, and dropping words of wisdom. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe some words more wise than others. Uh, I, I, th- I thought it would be a good idea this, this morning to share some dad quotes, okay, a la Jimmy Fallon style, okay? So some, some tweets, some, some words of wisdom from dads throughout the years. And maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you had a dad who shared this kind of wisdom with you. Maybe you have been one of those or are one of those. Maybe you aspire to be one of these kind of dads. Uh, but, but let's walk through a few of these, uh, a few tweets. So this first one said this. At the airport, my dad said, put one shoe in each suitcase. So if it gets stolen, they can't wear your shoes. <laughs> Isn't that... That's brilliant. I have never thought of that, okay? Um, There you go, dad advice, hashtag. Uh, When I was older, here's another one. When I was older, my dad admitted that he always threw the baseball right at my head. You learn how to catch pretty quick, all right? That's a good strategy. Dad, just throw it right at the melon, okay? Hashtag dad quotes. Uh, Here's another one. While on a road trip, a big bug splattered all over the windshield. Dad said he won't have the guts to do that again. All right, now that is the epitome of a dad joke, right? That's a good one. Next one, once my dad came to my band show and didn't take any pictures, I asked him why, and he said, nobody wants to remember this. (laughs) Tell it like it is. Way to go, dad. All right, next one, my granddad, I thought this was great. I want to use this at some point. Maybe you've heard this. My granddad would say this toast at weddings, to the three three rings of marriage, the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffering. (laughs) All right. Words of wisdom from granddad. Uh, Next one, my dad told me he accidentally swallowed some Scrabble pieces and he wasn't looking forward to his next vowel movement. Okay, another hashtag dad joke. Uh, My dad adamantly stated essential oils are used to fry onion rings, wings, or french fries. All other oils are not 
essential, okay? This is like a dad after my own heart, all right? Smells a lot better too. All right, next one, last one. When you start a new job, don't talk a lot. This way they won't know how dumb you are. I said, thanks, dad. Guess he was right. I mean, that was, that's a classic piece of wisdom from a father, right? Um, yeah, I, I wish I was one of those dads who dropped like, man, just these words of wisdom and these witty you know, one-liners that my kids would remember forever, and I'm probably more like one of these dad quotes. Uh, But today we're going to actually look at some real genuine wisdom, not just Twitter wisdom, uh, from Proverbs, the book of Proverbs chapter 3. You know, as I was, uh, and the title today is Words from Father to Son, Words from Father to Son. Proverbs chapter 3 is where we're going to look. You know, as I was, uh, it's been a few weeks ago, um, I was reading through Proverbs 3, and, and a lot of people, you, you may be familiar with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. These are verses that are, you know, plastered all over, um, you know, pillows and, you know, things that you hang on your wall or t-shirts or whatever. But actual, the, the entire so, uh, proverb, Proverbs 3, so much wisdom here, so much goodness in here. And what you find throughout the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs are, are wise sayings for life. And so anybody could jump in here and find some wisdom to help them in life. But what you find is throughout the book of Proverbs, the writer is continually referring to the reader as my son. My son, my son, hear my words. My son, pay attention to my words. And so one of the ways that we could read through the book of Proverbs is you know, it's wisdom from a father to a son, an earthly dad to his earthly son. But then I think if, if we were to back up, we could receive this as words from our heavenly father to every single one of us. And, you know, as I read through Proverbs 3 um, a few weeks back, uh, what I had in mind was here's some kind of final nuggets of wisdom that I want to pass along to my son as, as he moves off into this new season of life. And the reality with this is, you know, these are things that are learned over a lifetime. You're not going to learn all of this wisdom and glean all of this from reading one chapter in the Bible or from hearing one sermon. Uh, But my hope is that for my son and for all of us that as we walk with the Lord and as we um, seek him, that we're learning these things and growing in wisdom. And hopefully these are things that that my boy and my kids and and you all see in my life and that you can see in others' lives as we pursue the Lord. And so these are words of wisdom from a father to a son. So we're going to go through Proverbs chapter 3, which is 35 verses. We'll, we'll walk through seven different kind of final words of wisdom. But again, this isn't just for my boy. This is for every single one of us as sons and daughters of God. So the first piece of wisdom is this. Love God's word. Love God's word. And I know this is cliche and we say this a lot, but literally everything else rises and falls on this first thing. Everything else we're going to talk about over the next few minutes, man, it it doesn't happen unless we love God's word. Everything flows out of this. And this is why he says in verse number one, let's read the first four verses. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. 
for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. What you'll notice in this first section is he'll, he'll give some counsel and then in the next verse, the even numbered verse, he'll give some benefits or some incentives, why we wanna do what he's counseling us to do. So don't forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. Why? Verse two, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Verse three, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, but bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And so do you hear the tone of a dad talking to his son that just says, man, son, I want you to succeed. I want you to experience success as defined by the Lord. And I want you to to experience long life and good life and peace in all of your days. And so the first thing he says is, man, let your heart keep my commandments. Don't just do what I say or do what I tell you. Man, I want your heart to be captured by my words and to not let go of them. And what I would tell my son and what I would tell every single one of you and every one of us is this, that there's nothing more important than that we fall in love with and continue to grow deeper and deeper in love with God's word to us. And in fact, Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, I was reading through a portion of it um, over this past week, not related to sermon prep, but I, I ran across two verses that, that jumped out at me. Psalm 119, verse 129, David said this, Your testimonies, your word, your words are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. In other words, David says, because I'm so convinced that your words are wonderful and they're beautiful, they're amazing because I love your word, my soul keeps them. I obey your word because the reality is if we don't love it, if we don't, if we don't think, if we think it's not all that, we're probably not going to actually do what he says. And the writer says, my son, man, I I want you to love my word. Let your heart keep my commandments. Psalm 119, 167. He says, again here, my soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. Man, I love your word so much. And because I love your word, I do them. I obey them. I follow them. It's not just because you've told me. It's because I love your word. And I want to share a couple of quotes with you. You know, I talk about old dead guys, old theologians that I love. One of them is John Bunyan. He wrote Pilgrim's Progress, and he, he said this. Maybe you've heard this before. He said, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. One of the greatest pieces of, of counsel or advice to give to someone out on their own is, man, fall in love with this book, because this book will keep you from sin, If this book gets into your heart, it'll keep sin out. It'll purify your life. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. And I remember when I was 19, 20 years old, my first year of college, um, I remember I had this Thompson Chain Reference Bible that was my first kind of like real meaty Bible and it was a study Bible. And I remember just marking that thing up with a red pen and writing notes and underlining and circling. And, and man, I wore that thing out. It was, it was a Bible that was falling apart. I still have it today. And it's like, man, this thing is barely holding together. But it's paid off dividends because God's word 
in my heart, loving God's word, everything else flows out of that. So if there's only one thing I could give you this morning, it would be this, love God's word. Number two is, is this, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. We all have probably heard Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, but I want to read verses, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, but I'm going to read verses 5 to 8. Trust in the Lord, not yourself. He says in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths be not wise in your own eyes fear the lord and turn away from evil it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones trust in the lord not yourself because our tendency our natural tendency is to depend on ourselves, is to, okay, I'm going out on my own, so I need to be self-sufficient. And this is not what it's about. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And this makes me think of the phrase, you maybe heard this accusation or criticism thrown against Christians that Christianity is just a crutch. Y'all ever heard that? Christianity is a crutch for the weak. And when I hear that, I'm not like, oh, ouch, that's a dagger. I'm like, Amen, because we're all weak and we all have a crutch. We all stumble through life. And so the question is, what are you going to lean on when you stumble? What is going to hold you up? What is going to prop you up? For some people, their crutch is their intellect and their mind and their smarts. Uh, for some, their, their crutch is some kind of substance that's gonna keep them going or that's gonna prop up their life. For, for some, the crutch would be seeking the approval of somebody else. But for the follower of Jesus, we're to trust in the Lord and to lean not on our own understanding, but fully on the Lord. He is the one that we lean on and we lean upon and we lean against to hold us up. We all need that. We all need to lean on him. And so trust in the Lord with all of your heart, not on yourself. Number three is, is this, honor God with all you have. So love God's word, trust in the Lord, not yourself. Number three is to honor God with all that you have. And I wanna read verses nine and 10 here. The writer says this, he says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And so in the middle of all this, the writer, this father speaks to his son and he quite simply says, son, with all that you have, with your money, your finances, your possessions, your barns, your vats, all that you have, Honor the Lord with it. Honor the Lord with all of your stuff. And the promise is that if you will honor him, that he'll provide for you. He will meet your needs. In fact, he will go over and above and that he will fill your vats with wine and your, your barns will be overflowing and they're filled and overflowing. If you will honor me with all that you have, 
And I think about this principle that, that Jesus shares in multiple ways throughout some of his parables when he talks about this principle of if, if you'll be faithful with a little. Do you know how the rest of it goes? Be faithful with much, a little, and I will give you much. I will entrust you with more. If you take the little that I've given you. Some of you would look at this and it says, honor the Lord with your wealth. And you're like, no problem. I don't have any wealth, all right? But the principle is honor him with every little bit that you have. And I will bless you and I will provide for you if you take your hands off of what you think is yours. And so as I you know, think back on this and I talk about this with, with my son, I went through this with him briefly, but when I think about the last 18 years, even before he was born, before we had you know, a family beyond just my wife and I, one of the decisions, the convictions that we have, we made this decision before we had kids, before Isaiah was born 18, 19 years ago. And this is for our family. I'm not saying this is for everyone, but our decision for our family was we want to do everything in our power to keep mama at home while our kids were growing up. And, and, you know, and so that was our decision. We thought that was what was God was calling us to. But there's a problem with that. Living on one income, especially when the one income is a pastor's income. I don't know if you all know this, but pastors do not make the big bucks, all right? And so as we contemplated this, we're like, okay, so we're going to live on one income. It's, you know, not going to be much of an income. And then we're going we're gonna to give to the Lord. Because one of the things we believe in is that we, we give, we tithe, we, we give of, of our finances to the church, to the Lord. And so we made this decision early on. And we were challenged when our firstborn son came along. Like, do we really believe that if we trust the Lord and if we honor him with all that we have, everything that he puts into our pockets, we're going to honor him with it that God is actually going to provide for us. And I've just been thinking over the last couple of days about, man, for 18 plus years, there have been some lean times. There have been times where we've gone without some things. But you know what? I can honestly, with all confidence, say that God has always, 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 always provided for the Tate Six Pack. Every step of the way. There are years where I look back on our tax returns, and I'm like, how did we survive? <laughs> how did we survive on what I was making? And yet God has done it. And I believe that when God says, if you honor me with all of your stuff, your time, your talents, your treasure, everything that I've given you, with the very little I've given you, I will entrust you with more. Because I'm going to see where your heart is. And what you learn about the Lord is that throughout, throughout the scriptures, one of the things that he does over and over and over is he tests his people. He wants to see where our heart is. But one of the things, and this won't be on the screen or in the notes because this is kind of a late edition. I want to look at Malachi chapter 3. Because usually what happens is God tests us, his people. He wants to see if we'll obey him or not. But there's one time in the scriptures where God says, I'm not testing you. I, I want you to test me. And it's in regards to our, our money and our stuff. And we as pastors, we don't like to go here. We don't want people to think we're just all about the money because we're not. But yet this, is, this goes back to our heart. And I want you to see what, what God says to his people in Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse number 6. He says this, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed 
saying, I'm a loving God. And so I mean, I haven't consumed you. I've been long suffering. Verse number seven, for from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and you've not kept them. Return to me. He's begging us, his people. He's begging them, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? And then God says, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, well, how, how have we robbed you? God's response, in your tithe, in your contributions, in your giving, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you, all of you have robbed me. Verse 10, bring the full tithe, which is 10% of, of, of your, your pro, what you've produced or earned. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Listen, y'all, the reason this is in my mind is because today as a church, we're doing this, this budget vote and we don't like to talk about finances in our church, but we're in a, in a place as a church where all church has been affected by COVID and attendance and giving and all this stuff. And so this isn't me begging you to give. This is me presenting you with God's word where God says, put me to the test. Trust me with your stuff. The money that I've put into your pocket, will you trust me with part of that? Because if you will, man, if you will test me, here's what he says. I will swing open the windows of heaven and pour down on you blessing that you can never imagine. And I'm telling you all, and some of you know this, when you trust him with your stuff, when he gets your heart, he gets all your stuff. He gets your pockets and your possessions. God will bless you more than just financially, man. He will pour out blessings from heaven. He will take care of you if you and I will honor him with all that we have. Man, I, there's a, a couple in our church who just started giving for the first time, and I'm just so excited for them. To, I'm so excited to, to see God bless them as they trust him with their stuff. And I'm encouraging, if you've never done this, this is what I'm telling my, my kids and we've tried to teach them all along. If you honor God with your possessions, he will bless you, he will provide for you. He will not let you go without need. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he will take care of you. And so one of the most practical things that I hope I've passed along to my son as he leaves is, man, you can trust God with your stuff, your possessions, your money, all that you have. And so love God's word. Number two, trust in the Lord, not yourself. Number three, honor God with all that you have. And again, these are things, as I'm talking about these, these are things that, that are bigger than a sermon. These are things that are learned over a lifetime. And hopefully you learn as you witness others honor God and God provides for them. Number four is this, embrace the Lord's discipline. I don't wanna spend a, a ton of time here, but in verses number, numbers 11 and 12, here's what he says. Proverbs chapter three, my son, again, that phrase, my son, do not despise or reject or refuse or fight against the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof for the Lord reproves or disciplines or corrects him whom he loves. As a father, the son 
in whom he delights. You know what every single one of us, our natural inclination is to, the way that we respond to discipline when someone tries to correct us or reprove us. You know what our natural inclination is? I'm sure it's the same for you as it is for me. Man, we stiffen up. We fight against it. We, wanna, we don't want to receive it. We want to despise it. And what this father says to his son is, no, 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 don't fight against discipline in your life. You're going to sin. You're going to mess up. You're going to screw up. The good news is that grace and forgiveness is available. It's abundant. But you're going to experience in your life discipline from the Lord. And when it comes, don't resist it. In fact, I want you to embrace it. Embrace it. Know that the reason a father, an earthly father, disciplines his son is because of love. And when the Lord disciplines you, when the Lord's hand is heavy on you, reveals sin to you, or brings you to your knees, it's because of his grace, because he wants the best for you. He wants to, he wants to radically eliminate sin from your life. He is trying to purify you and make you holy and conform you to the image of his son. And so when his discipline comes, it is for your good and is proof that he loves you and he is not done with you, that he is working on you. And so embrace the Lord's discipline because it will come. So love God's word, trust in the Lord, not yourself. Honor God with all you have. Embrace the Lord's discipline. Number five, again, just another reminder, words of wisdom. And it's this, find wisdom. Find wisdom. And, and, and what, we could, what we'd see here is, is the whole book of Proverbs is, is all about wisdom. You go back a chapter, chapter two, it's all about getting wisdom and seeking after wisdom. You go forward a chapter, chapter four, Proverbs four, it's all about wisdom. The whole book is, is about wisdom. But I want you to see, we're going to look at a few verses here, verses 13 to 26, that this is all about finding wisdom. Verse number, 20, verse number 13, blessed is the one who finds wisdom, which means you can you can find it. It can be found. You have to seek it and search after it. And blessed is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gets understanding for the gain from her. And he personifies wisdom as, as a woman. And he says, the gain from her is better than gain from silver. Her profit is better than gold. She's more precious than jewels and nothing you desire. Out of all the things that you can and will desire, nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways, the ways of wisdom, her ways of pleasantness and all of her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast or hold tightly to wisdom are called blessed. And, and then he begins to say how, how wisdom has been used. He says, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. It's embedded in creation. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth and by understanding established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps, uh, deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Find wisdom and then keep sound wisdom and discretion and they will be life for your soul an adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. 
If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. And so over and over we see throughout the Proverbs and throughout Proverbs 3, man, find wisdom, go after wisdom. Because as, as someone goes out on their own, as, as, as you launch out on your own, man, you have the freedom. And I've said this to my son, you have the freedom to go after anything and everything that you want. You have the freedom to pursue anything that you want. Some of those things will be good. Some of those things will be harmful. But above all else, make sure the primary pursuit of your life is wisdom, is wisdom. Go after wisdom. And wisdom throughout the scriptures in the New Testament is personified in the, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the wisdom of God in the flesh. But go after wisdom. Make it the, the first and primary thing that you go after because it literally touches every single Thing in your life, every other area of your life, relationships and job and finances and parenting and all these things, wisdom touches on. And, and so find wisdom. You, you know, one of the things that we, we talk about with, with teenagers and young adults is like, you need to, and this is the message of our culture, you need to find yourself. That's a message in our culture this month is find your identity in your sexuality. Find who you are. And the Bible says, no, find wisdom. Not the wisdom of this culture or this world. Find the wisdom that only comes through the word of God. Then you will discover who you are meant to be. Then you will discover your identity. Then you will discover what God has in store for you. But don't find yourself, find wisdom. Don't sow your wild oats in, in trying to find yourself. Find the wisdom of God. Find the wisdom of God. And part of that includes finding wise friends. And I just want to read this verse to you. Proverbs 13, verse 20. A lot of times we use this with, with teenagers, but this applies to all of us. Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes what? Wise. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm. You want to find wisdom? Part of that is finding some wise friends to connect with and to walk through life with. Here's a question that Pastor Andy Stanley uses. He, he calls it the best question ever. And I think this is one of the most helpful questions you can learn to use when you're making decisions, when you're walking through life, when you're trying to discern things, is to ask this question. Best question ever is this, what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? You know, and it's good maybe to say, hey, what is right or wrong? Or you're looking for black and white answers, but, but this question is helpful. What is the wise thing to do? If, I were, if, 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 if you were in my shoes, what would you do? What is the wise thing? What would my dad tell me, right? What would the father tell me? What is the wise thing to do? Find wisdom. Because again, our temptation, our, our inclination when we go out on our own is to find ourselves. He says, find wisdom. So love God's word. Trust in the Lord, not yourself. Honor God with all you have. Embrace the Lord's discipline. Find wisdom. Number six is to be generous and good to others. 
We won't spend a lot of time here, but be generous and good to others. Look at verse, verses 27 through 30. This father, the writer of Proverbs 3, says this, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Don't withhold good from them. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I'll give it when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. And so the, the, the idea here is, man, just be generous and good to others around you. When God gives you opportunity, when God gives you the power to do good to others, to bless and to serve and to be a, a source of blessing to others, man, don't, don't withhold it. You're an instrument or a tool of, of God to bless and to serve others. God gives, has given you the power to do that. So don't withhold that. Be generous and good to others. Because again, our temptation when we get out on our own, when we're living in this world on our own, is to be focused on ourselves and our good. And we want to be generous with what we want. And we want to please ourselves he says, man, when you have the opportunity, do it. Don't withhold good from others. Number seven, last thing is this. Use discernment in relationships. Use discernment in relationships. Look at verses 31 through 35. And again, these all kind of overlap with one another. Verse number 31, he says this. Do not envy a man of violence. Don't, don't want what he has. Don't envy him. Don't choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Towards the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. And so he just addresses this, this subject of, of relationships and how we deal with, with one another. And what he says is use discernment. Beware of, of the violent and the devious and the wicked and the scornful and the foolish. What he says is don't envy their ways. Don't walk with them. In fact, he says, Watch who you walk with. Watch the people, like, observe their lives. And I want, I want to read to you Proverbs 1, 10 to 16. Maybe you're familiar with this. Again, in Proverbs 1, 10, it says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, join up with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Just throw in your lot among us. We'll all have one purse. He says, my son, listen, he's, he's a father pleading. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. And every parent 
understands this, this idea of, man, your friends make or break you. The relationships you have determine the quality and direction of your life. And so who are you walking with? And every parent gets this. You've maybe seen your child walking away that you go, man, don't go that way. Don't go with them. That leads nowhere good. And here is this father pleading to his son, man, watch who you walk with. Proverbs 13, verse 20, again, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools is going to suffer harm. And so watch who you walk with. One of the things I said to my son the other day with this, and I know he knows this. He's, he's already seen this. Again, this is more of a reminder than something new. I said this to him as he goes off on his own. Just because someone goes to church doesn't mean they pursue God. Just because somebody is going to church doesn't mean they are actually pursuing God because we all know it's easy to say, I'm a Christian. It's easy to say, I believe this or I believe in God. It's even easy to just come to church once in a while. But that doesn't mean that somebody is genuinely with their whole heart following the Lord and seeking after truth and going after wisdom. You know, one of the, one of the things that um, one, of my, one of my boys has said since we've been here, we've been here two years. This month, we've been in Kershaw County for two months. And one of the things, the observant things that, you know, kids see and they sometimes put words to that we don't always call out. Uh, one of my boys said this over the last couple of years. He said, you know, there are a lot of people around here that go to friendship. And the follow-up to that is, but they, they, don't, they don't go to friendship. Like, I've never seen them here. Um, there's a lot of people who claim friendship as their church but they don't actually come. And he's confused by that. I'm confused by that, right? But, but it's easy for us to say, well, that's my church, or I go to church, or I'm a Christian, or I believe this. It's a whole other thing to actually live it out, actually pursue the Lord. And so watch the life of somebody over a period of time. Do their, does their walk match their talk? Use discernment in your relationships. Just because a cute girl says, well, I love the Lord, that doesn't mean she loves the Lord. Watch her life. Is she walking as someone who is wise that is pursuing the Lord? Then maybe walk with her or alongside that friend or those people. Use discernment in your relationships. Don't just jump into any kind of friendship or relationship with anybody based on what they say. Watch their life and then walk with the wise. It'll give you wisdom and it'll save you from suffering, all kinds of harm. Because whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And so love God's word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not yourself. Honor God with all that you have. Embrace the Lord's discipline. Find wisdom. Be generous and good to others. Use discernment in your relationships. These are all things that, that 
that I would say to my son, that I say to us, and I believe that God the Father says to us, these are lessons learned over a lifetime. And I look at some of these things and I go, oh my goodness, I'm still learning this and I'm still growing in this. The idea this morning is this, whether you're a son or a daughter, or a father or a mother, a single young adult or teenager, wherever you're at, the reality is this, we all need wise words from a father to make it in this wild world, don't we? We need the wisdom of a father, a father figures, earthly fathers, fathers in the flesh, fatherly examples, ultimately from God, our father. These are things that we all need. Dads, these are the kind of words of life that we wanna pass along to our kids, not just in a sermon, not just in a lesson, but, but through our lives. The hope is that as a, as a father, that your kids could over the course of their lives look at your life and go, my dad's got some wisdom. I wanna follow his example. I wanna walk the way that my dad walks. I wanna walk in wisdom because he pursues the Lord. He loves his word. He trusts in the Lord. He honors him with all that he has. He's always seeking wisdom. He is generous and good to others. All of these things. The hope is that we can live this out, that we can be wise, that our kids, that others all around us, sons and daughters in the faith can watch our lives. They can walk us, walk, walk in wisdom, and they can follow that example. Amen. That is my hope for my kids. That is my hope for you. That is my hope for us as, as a church. These are words of life for all of us. And so this morning, I want to ask you to just bow your heads with me for, for a moment. And I just want us to have just a, a moment of, of prayer and response.